Hello, welcome to another episode of Feature Length with Richard Newman and Seth Mason. Something of a blockbuster pod today. We will review Captain America, the first Avenger, and wrap up the series that has been with us in the film world for the last 10 years. And that's Harry Potter, of course. As well as those, we'll take a look at Horrible Bosses and see how Lightning McQueen gets on in his second outing in Cars 2. Afternoon, Seth. Or was it evening, really? Is it? to head on into evening as we record this podcast. Really? Yeah, race what times it's just gone oh, five. Don't talk. Oh god, talking about the weather. So quite it's nice out there today, isn't it? It, is, it, it is. was a scorcher. You've got your shorts on. Which How is British lovely. I have. Yeah. Nice uh, just a quick um, reminder: you can follow us on Twitter. You just need to search feature length. Although we don't update it often, there are links. Um, to how to listen to the podcast um, and also you can email us featurelengthpod at gmail.com okay let's get started straight away with Captain America the big release this week and we'll work our way through to Harry Potter a bit later on um, Captain America is of course another film in the lead up to next year's Avengers movie we've had Thor in the past few months and of course Iron Man has been very popular in the last few years this is the last of the main Avengers that we need to get to grips with in its current incarnation, uh, starring Chris Evans as the main protagonist. Seth, lay it out for us. Give us your thoughts of wisdom, because you are the man with the, you know, the opinion that matters. With the, with the index card. Yeah. Um, well, I... Uh, well, Captain America, wow. as you say, the last big superhero um, for, for, in terms of the Avengers. Um, kind of a, a bit of a hit and miss, this one. It's kind of all over the place, but not not in a terrible way. Um, it's kind of hit and miss with the acting, hit and miss with the story, hit and miss with the structure, hit and miss with the CGI. It's kind of it's a real kind of mixed bag um, where I kind of had my mind was com- you know conflicting the whole time about oh this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. Um, I mean, there's no real structure to it. Um, it's quite sort of episodic. I can't say that I'm particularly familiar with the sort of comic and the and the backstory of Captain America, so I can't particularly say whether they've you know just sort of conglomerated all these kind of stories uh, and you know sort of comic episodes uh, and just sort of thrown them into one film. But it, it, I mean, it's a real mess in the middle. It kind of pulls it back towards the end. The beginning has the good story of how Captain America becomes Captain America, um, uh, but. Uh, you know, it pulls it as I say, it pulls it back eventually. But I mean, that's that's the you know, this is a essentially the film you're watching uh, is is therefore a bit of a mess. But and, and you know, that the reason for that really is, would you argue then is is just because of the Avengers? Because the the very start, the very start of the film, it's already setting up to tell us how we, Captain America even exists in present day. So for the very, from the very start, any everyone that's looking forward to this film next year is is very aware of how it's all going to pan out. Yeah, in a way. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. that, that is obviously the main pers- purpose of the film, isn't it? To set it up for next year. Yeah, but then you could say, I mean, for instance, the... I mean, they're doing the Hulk, aren't they? The Hulk's going to be in it. Um, and that character that Jeremy Renner's doing, who appeared very, very briefly in Thor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I still don't think they're completely babyfying it for audiences. I mean, it's a great excuse to get some more money. You know, I'm not being too cynical there. They're all, you know, they're, they're all... None of them are bad films. They're sort of perfectly justifiable in what they've got to say, and in you know, sort of telling their own individual stories. Mm. Um, I mean, it's interesting in terms of the just looking at the cast for a second. I mean, you, Chris Evans, who's kind of done the superhero thing before. He was in Fantastic Four a few years ago, which didn't really set anything, critics, fans, box office, any of that kind of a light too much. Um, 
I mean, he was he was actually probably one of the best things in that. He was very charismatic. He was very entertaining. He was quite funny. In here, it's kind of I mean, I would say it's one of the more humorless um, kind of entries into the into the whole kind of Marvel uh, sort of catalogue. Really, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I mean, something like Tommy Lee Jones is in it. Uh, plays sort of you know, sort of you know the army sort of corporal as such doesn't he mm. um and he's, he's very good in it and he is kind of the life relief his sort of very deadpan kind of you know the texan drawl um makes for sort of very entertaining um you know moments in it and sort of you know good quips uh stanley tucci as well who's sort of always watchable uh is in it uh has a has a part in it uh as a as a doctor the doctor that kind of makes captain america who he is uh and he's quite funny as well in his own tongue-in-cheek way but after I mean, they're sort of, you know, they're certainly not in it all the way through, and there are other times where it kind of drags, you know, and it and it just gets a bit sort of stodgy and boring and and kind of a bit God bless America in it. I mean, Haley Atwell, who's sort of the female lead in it, she's competent enough, um, but again, she's fairly bland, and I mean, her and Chris Evans have sort of no chemistry really. You think so? I'd say, yeah, I'd say very little okay. personally. Um, I mean, as well, if we're talking about the acting, the dodgy accents is kind of a bit distracting. You thought that was dodgy accents? Oh, yeah. From who? From Dominic Dominic Cooper. Yeah. Who plays uh, uh, Howard Stark, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, who's Tony Stark, Iron Man's dad, because obviously this film's set in the 40s, as opposed to Iron Man's present day. And, Still you know, a weapons he, manufacturer. Exactly, he's a we- major ma- weapons manufacturer. He's sort of, you know, he's included in other Marvel films, isn't he? Mm. Even though he's played by a different actor, but that's nitpicking. <laughs> um... And I don't know. I mean, Hugo Weaving, uh, who is the main villain of the piece. Sounds like Piers um, Brosnan. Who you think sounds like Piers he Brosnan. Does. Which I agree. No, I agree with that. But I also think he sounds like Christoph Waltz from Inglorious Bastards. He's I think he's been watching that too much for his kind of German accent. Of exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's quite off-putting. I think it owes, actually, watching it in its style. And I know, obviously, there's a lot to compare there with it being a big adventure story, it being set in the 40s it having this sort of strange Nazi element to it. Um, it actually owes a fair bit to Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think. Think so? Yeah. Letting it sink in a bit more, I kind of I felt that quite a lot on certain plot points, some of which I won't obviously just ruin. But um, I think that's an interesting thing to bear in mind uh, if you're going to watch it. Um, uh, I mean, there are some very exciting set pieces in it, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, yeah really good, really good exciting scenes in it. Um very well done sets. But then again, this thing with the CGI, where sometimes, I mean, at the beginning of the film, Chris Evans is a very big guy, very built. Obviously, that's sort of how he is for the film. At the beginning, before Captain America is sort of transformed into this big sort of He-Man, um, he's this very weedy, you know, sort of little unassuming character. And obviously, he's got to be that physically. So mm-hmm. before that, he's, you know, what, 5'5", five, five, very scrawny, and they do that using CGI. Mm. Um, some of which looks great, and then there's other just moments of it, it where it looks awful. Looks like a head just put on. Yeah, someone where it just else's looks body. like a head on a kind of wavy animated sort of stick. Yeah, really, very strange. Um, but sometimes it looks great. Yeah. So I don't know. It's that inc- it's that inconsistency which makes the film quite frustrating at times. I found. So out of ten, um, then out of ten, I don't know. I mean, it's got some very good stuff in it. So I don't know. Maybe seven. Seven? Okay. Yeah. Um, let's go on to Cars 2 then. You've literally yeah. just come out of the cinema. Oh, yeah. You've literally just come out of the cinema for this one. Um, it's probably, would it be fair to say anyway, that it's it's the least successful of all the Pixar films. Yeah, So definitely. Um, but it's also only the, se- it's only the second one that's been made into a sequel of those Pixar films after Toy True. Story. True, yeah. Um, and how's it gone for well, Lightning McQueen? I'd only, 
I'd only seen the first one about a week ago. Yeah, same. Um, having never passed it by because I never got particularly excited about it, as did seemingly no one else. Right. Um, and I, I mean, I thought the first one lacked quite a lot of heart, which is what makes Pixar movies what they are. Um, sort of, it's got that thing of there's lots for adults to enjoy as well as kids, but it's a bit more crass and it's a bit. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have that sort of stamp of quality. I mean, visually, Cars still does look really beautiful. I mean, definitely up to sort of Pixar standards. And Cars 2 does as well. But again, with Cars 2, there's just there's just, there's just heart kind of missing to it. I mean, Cars 2 is a very different film from Cars 1. Cars 2 is essentially, the main character in it is really Mater, who's the kind of hillbilly um, sort of pickup truck best friend of Lightning McQueen who's voiced by Owen Wilson who's the main shiny red car who you see on all the posters and who the first film is sort of all about uh, and his kind of journey and all that um, so the second film is sort of Mater somehow ends up sort of becoming a spy um, through very strange circumstances uh, and is kind of paired up with these two British sort of MI5 agents slash cars uh, who are voiced by Emily Mortimer and Michael Caine uh, and Michael Caine. Now, actually, Michael, the whole Michael Caine stuff is, I think, the best fil- uh, the best bit in the film. Obviously, there's the reference. There's the Michael Caine made his career in a big film about car. You know, the Italian job. Obviously, the the, the car chase at the end is, you know, incredibly famous. That's where you know, sort of cars and you know, car all that sort of stuff. Anyway, you know what I mean. Um, and he. Yeah, I mean, he's very entertaining in it. His his character is quite slick. He has some all right lines. He's involved in some very exciting parts, some great chases that are very well animated. Um, the film is sort of set across, and this gets a bit confusing because one second you're in Rome, then you're in London, then you're in Tokyo. And it, I mean, that's kind of inconsequential because they're going around the world doing these races. And the idea that it's almost almost based, based on the way that Formula One works, where it goes around yeah, the world. Yeah, exactly. They said they're not Formula One cars. Exactly. Um and I mean, I it's interesting they've done that. Maybe it's to play off, as you say, the Formula One thing. Maybe it's because, you know, cynically thinking, maybe it's it wasn't as successful at the box office uh, compared to, you know, as we were saying, the other Pixar movies. Maybe that's a way of getting people excited about it by setting it in all these different countries, you know, trying to, you know, relate it more to each individual territory to, you know, get if, people to come and see it. I don't know. Very funny. Do you know I think it's a strange, it was a strange choice then to go for Cars as the first one to make a a sequel, a sequel. of or after yeah. Toy Story. Yeah, I mean, there was really no point because, um, as I say, they've moved on to a completely different story with completely new characters, apart from Mater, who was fairly inconsequential in the first one. Mm. Um, I mean, he's entertaining. He's the big, dumb, kind of, you know, hick, really, um, character. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, the film is all about, you know, loads of these new characters. Eddie Azard plays this big sort of... Uh, renewable energy car mogul uh and he's quite an entertaining character and as i said that the film is set you know just all around the world completely different so it's i say it feels like a kind of different film and i don't think the cars franchise is strong enough that they couldn't have maybe put those ideas into something else and Mm. maybe done something a bit better i don't know um but as i say it is beautiful to look at and when you're doing these great big races around you know italy and everything they are really really nice sequences they're really pleasing they're really beautiful um, but it just it just all it all feels a bit unnecessary. Okay, Lewis I'll... Hamilton's in it. Is he? Yeah. Like Michael uh, Schumacher yeah, was in the first one, wasn't he? Was he? Oh, I, yeah. It was I, at the end. Just... In fact, the first thing the thing I found the funniest at the end of Cars was the at the end in the credits with the uh, Toy Story references and the 
Well, the good thing is actually, if you voicing. go and see, if you go and see Cars two at the cinema, um, as most Pixar films are, it's got a short at the beginning, and that short is uh, a Toy Story short. Oh really? Hawaiian Vacation. Yeah. Oh good. Uh, yeah, which is really good. Which is a five minute film. Obviously, got all the Toy Story characters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's basically all about very Ken, obviously from Ken and Barbie fame, who were introduced in Toy Story three. Uh, he was really looking forward to being taken by their new owner, the little girl. Uh, to Hawaii, but that didn't pan out. So the toys uh, make this sort of own, you know, in the room, sort of make, you know, transform the room into Hawaii for him and give him and Barbie a really nice holiday. And it sounds a bit strange and a bit naff, but it's actually very funny. Okay. Um, uh, so, so yeah. Cars 2 then out of 10? Uh, six. Okay. Let's go on to Horrible Bosses then quickly. Um, need to rattle on these. Um, I thought it was very good. I enjoyed Horrible Bosses. And, and you know, what I, what I was worried about in the first 20 minutes was that, all the jokes from the trailer were all packed in, mm. and I was concerned that this is, was the way it was going to be for the rest of the film. But I was wrong. 20 minutes in, and it all kicks off, and it was genuinely very funny. I thought, I really, I thought from the outset, I was pretty much impressed. Um, they were the same jokes, though, weren't they? No, they weren't, but I remember thinking, like, there were a few bits where a lot of people, I, I was sort of, was, oh, you know, let's go see Horrible Bosses or whatever, and a lot of people sort of went, oh, no, oh, God, Jennifer Aniston makes such bad films, you know, and obviously she's a big star. She's been, you know, integral to the marketing of the film. Um, uh, yeah, and people have just been really sort of, you know, sn- kind of snobby with the Jennifer Aniston thing. So, I mean, I was never too phased by that. This was obviously a completely different role. And judging by the trailer, she looked as if she was going to do quite well in it. And I thought in the film she did very well in it. Um, but it was when her first line, which I can't really repeat, <laughs> where she's talking about watching Gossip Girl. Yeah. Uh, and everyone just kind of let out this this very shocked laughter. It was then that I thought, okay, well, you've actually got stuff here that you haven't shown in the trailer. Do you know what I mean? That you you know you have got other stuff to to show, unlike say Bad Teacher that we were talking about the other yeah. week. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I thought there was plenty in in Horrible Bosses to make you laugh and to kind of you know I mean it really wasn't as predictable as you may think. She does look very good, doesn't um, she? She does look very good in, in her forties. In her yeah, in her forties exactly Crazy. with her wig. Um, I mean, there are a few, not everything's right with it. I mean, Kevin Spacey is great in it. Uh, The main three guys, Jason Bateman, uh, Jason Sudeikis from Hall Pass and 30 Rock, he's been in as well, Uh, as well as Charlie Day, who's pretty unknown in the UK. He's been that show, he's in this show called um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a fairly big hit in America. Uh, And that's got Danny DeVito in it. He, He sort of made his name in America there and I think kind of been discovered from there. He does have a quite annoying voice. I think he sounds like... He's a, quite screechy. He is quite screechy, but he sounds like um, Steve Carell when he gets all a bit overexcited about something in his films. But it's that... But Yeah. He sounds not like that, but the, 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 the thing is about it is that it, it lasts the entire film rather than odd, odd lines. Saying that, though, well, I, I thought it was the best thing about the film. Really? Yeah. I genuinely thought it was the most... To, I, I thought it was the funniest thing about it. He's... I the think Steve Carell has quite an authoritative tone when he does that. And, and a deadpan monotony to his voice when he does that shouting thing, which can, I find sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's not. Charlie Day just goes very screechy and very kind of ah, ah, like that bit towards the end where he's just where he just lets rip and just starts shouting. Mm. Um, and literally, you can imagine like dogs just howling outside the cinema. It's pretty. It's pretty brutal. But it's good. It's a good film, um, though. Yeah, but it is, as I as I said, I think it's great. For, I love Kevin Spacey as well. He's great. He's always great when he's playing just a really evil guy, a really evil boss. Mm. Uh, that movie Swimming with Sharks he did, which was nearly you know twenty years ago now, one of the films that kind of helped made his name. He was a he was a completely evil boss. 
So it's quite funny that he's uh, come back to that um, uh, for this film in a much more comedic, obviously comedic way. And I thought in this realm of sort of all these kind of, you know, quite sort of edgy, you know, Hollywood comedies trying to be a bit more edgy, trying to be a bit darker and, you know, this this type of black comedy, I thought this actually worked quite well, um, the dark side to it. I mean, Colin Farrell is another good one while we're, while we're here. Yeah, he? no, he's quite... He, was... he has... he has, He's really not in it. If you're a fan, don't go and see it for him. He's literally in two scenes, both of which are funny, um, but he's really not in it at all. He, he, he was um, quite good in a comedy as well. He's yeah, done many. Yeah, he can do he can do comedy definitely yeah. in Bruges. In Bruges, very yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um, Harry Potter mm. and the Deathly Hallows mm. Part Two. Um, what can be said of this then? That hasn't been said already. A very <laughs> enjoyable ends, full of energy, fast moving action scenes. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. And then that's quite the end. Of Harry quite Potter. slow at the beginning. Quite slow at the beginning. Well, it sort of just picks. It picks up just from where it from where it left off at the last one, doesn't it? And it's like it starts off much. slow, but then I think it does go go for it pretty much. On those, it's interesting. Those two hours. They, they said they couldn't do the last two films in one film, which I agree. Yes. The problem is the way they've done the films. I don't. I think there's actually a little too much spread out in the two films. Do you know what I mean? So I can understand why they didn't want to do one four hour film. But kind of why do two, two and a half hour films? Do you know what I mean? Because I think there's a bit too... I think there's a bit... Especially at the beginning of both part one and now part two. I think part one was very slow, genuinely all the way through. And if you've read the book, then you knew what was to come in the second part. You knew a lot of it was going to be big battle scenes. Yeah. Whereas part one was lots of chatting in a tent. <laughs> a bit of jealousy going on. Yeah, and 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 I I thought that went on a little bit too long, if I'm honest. Well, I think the first twenty minutes of this could do with some cutting, personally. Okay. And just that bit where he's in there talking to John Hurt forever, <laughs> or what feels kind of like forever. It's a bit like okay, we could we could kind of hurry this up a little bit now. Okay. So apart from um, that, then. But, but apart from that, it's great. Yeah, really good. Yeah, really yeah. good. Really, really good end good. to this to the series. Yeah, I mean, really, as you know, as it ramps up and it does get incredibly epic, doesn't it? As you mm. say, with all the fight scenes and obviously the ultimate sort of showdown and then the build up, the inevitable away. build up. I, we still don't know. Is there still a bit of a funny thing about saying the ending of Harry Potter? Isn't there? Even well, if even though most people have seen it, most yeah. people, I mean, everyone that really cares, Some they've seen the film or, and like, oh, yeah. I forgot they died. Or, yeah, or, you know, or, things or like cheers. That. Yeah, exactly. Thanks a lot. I so did that. I forgot. Oh, I forgot they. I saw this when I was very very tired sort of couldn't wait really and I was just very tired and mm. I did fall asleep in one or two bits so I'm not going to lie um, which is pretty standard for you anyway well wow. yeah but having said that um, yeah the I mean it really keeps you you know towards the end it really keeps you hooked up my friend did point out to me and is kind of looking back on it now as kind of uh, I don't feel I could watch it again now because I don't think I could take it seriously that Voldemort actually sounds quite a lot like Joanna Lumley yeah, see that. You think that's like yeah. Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> just sort of all that, um, which again just sort of kind of ruins. The Never magic watch it in the bit. same light again. Yeah. Um, so that's the end of Harry Potter. No more, no, uh, no more books. Um, no more movies. And did you read the books yourselves? I read. Um, I was definitely not a dedicated reader. No, no. But I have read some and here and there and started that one. And do you know what I mean? You see, I, I, I read the books only when I was traveling. I was never very interested in Harry Potter. I just read them all just, just during the same trip. But for, for a lot of people, and for most Harry Potter fans, it's a series that people have grown up with. And that's whether they've read the books or whether they've watched the films or they've done both. Because some people have just watched the films, haven't they, and taken it that mm -hmm. way and not not bothered with the books. Um, 
and it's been a bit of a mixed bag, hasn't it? With the films, sort of, they've gone from they they the, the books have always grown up with its audience, and the, in the same way, the yeah. films did exactly the same exactly. thing. Because when I mean when they were all first cast back in two thousand or whatever, I mean they're pretty much our age, you know, definitely yeah, for our generation. Age, it was, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're they're bang on our age. So yeah, it's properly been growing up with them because when you know when their voice drops, our voice drops. <laughs> yeah, when you, do you know what I mean? Just all those little kind of things, and. Um, Maybe not when they need to have a fight with ones. We have a fight with ones. That doesn't happen. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. Anyway. Where is that? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, the books, obviously, when they came out, they were the first few are very sort of baby-fied, aren't they? Yeah. Where they the Chris sort of Columbus obviously... ones. Well, no, no. Well, yeah, the films and the and the books. Kind yeah. Of, you know, the first few books, aren't they? I meant for sort of 10, 11-year-olds. Mm. So, um, obviously, when the films were coming out and... You know, you could be a 10, 11 year old and you could read a 10, 11 year old book. And, you know, that was fine. As you say, then the books got out and they got darker and then inevitably the films did as well. Um, so, yeah, it was a real growing up experience for quite a lot of people. And it also changed the films when we got to Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Um, I mean, got... you're right. You had Chris Columbus who did, you know, Home Alone movies. You know, they were the you know, the first few were very sugary. Um, but obviously they made a lot of money, so no one really sort of, you know, thought to necessarily do anything too different with the, with the format that was going on. Um, and then, yeah, and then Chris Columbus didn't do any more. Um, and sort of, I think it was Chris Columbus who said he kind of felt quite burnt out. Um, so they went on and then, yeah, you're right. They went on to Alfonso Cuaron, who was a bit of a strange choice, not necessarily particularly true. He did a film called The Little Princess, uh, which was a sort of mid nineties kind of Hollywood you know, kids movie, uh, which did relatively well and, you know, is relatively kind of well liked to this day by certain, you know, it's sort of a childhood film for some people. Mm. But then he did movies like, you know, the I think pretty much the last movie he did before making Prisoner of Azkaban was um, E Tu Mama Tambien, which was a Spanish movie um, with Gael Garcia Bernal that was definitely not a kid's film. Um, so he was, a, you know, and, and after that he made on, he went on to make films like Children of Men. I mean, he's not a very sort of uh, child-friendly director, as such. But, it did, um, but yet, the film's great. Yeah, exactly. So it, it did twist it back in. We had a little stint from Mike Newell, who just did Goblet of Fire, and then in came David Yates, and he set the tone, took yeah. us through to the end, and yeah. did a good job. Yeah, yeah. So the whole series. Then your thoughts in general, an enjoyable, enjoyable series. Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 kind of definitely as we say. I mean, not to go on about our generation as such, but I mean. In terms of in terms of franchises, I think the British and especially our age feel kind of really kind of protective over it. I mean, Lord of the Rings, you know, New Zealand kind of has ownership of that. People in America claim ownership of that. It's it's a bit of a strange one. Um, obviously, the Bond franchise is very long running and everyone loves it, but it's not. I mean, I know it's been reinvigorated, but it's not a sort of modern. Do you know what I mean? Series. It's something that's just been ticking over, and this has very much been a sort of an all British. Uh, born and bred uh, kind of thing that's you know had its beginning and now it's had its end um, and it, it it just feels like you know it's quite it's quite a big moment for a lot of you know for British film and for you know it had the biggest ever you know it had the biggest ever premiere it had the biggest ever premiere turnout it's had the biggest ever day sales weekend sales box office pretty much you know ever it's just sale past a billion dollars um, it could very easily go to two I mean it's unlikely to beat avatar which i think is at 2.8 billion worldwide dollars that is um but i mean it's it's you know it's made some serious dollar uh for everyone concerned or pound 
and it's been great for British films as well. I'm showcasing some British talent. I mean, there's there is the A to Z almost of of A list British yeah. acting talent in there. I mean, in, even in this in this film, in the in, in part two, mm. Emma Thompson's in it and she doesn't even say a line. She just gives a no, look, I know. just a glance, and that. Well, that, that well, that's a nice. Of the cast that's, that is the to. nice thing about the last one as well is that everyone, even though there are some you would wish, oh, I really want to have you know to have a particular scene with them or whatever. Most people who are still alive yeah. uh, are back in some way. Even some who aren't, like Gary Oldman, who pops up, which is lovely. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, let's just um, round off then with the box office. Um, that's Harry Potter done, and um, it's sad times. Yeah. Well, they're opening Probably the studios. Time. Sorry? Leaveston Studios, they're going to open those. Really? So apparently, yeah. Apparently you can go in, which is where they did all the movies, and just walk into the Great Hall and all that. Harry Potter lives on. Worldwide theme parks. And also, you know, let's not rule out, because I don't think um, J.K. Rowling has either, that it's definitely the end. I think she, well, no, she won't I mean, say never, things, say never. Well, haven't they? I mean, she did those books for Comic Relief, the Quidditch Through the Ages thing yeah. uh, a few years ago, little things like that. So I think, yeah, I think it's not, you know, the nail in the coffin, per se. Right. I think there could be more, you know, little Harry bits Potter could return. Um, right, so let's go to the UK box office. Let's just whiz through this very quickly and a quick um, rating yeah, as well, if you could. But um, quickly, The Tree of Life, which has yeah. caused some um, sort of... A lot of... A lot, well, it's, it's a big talking point amongst people. Yeah. Because a lot of people are trying to make sense of it, yeah. I believe. Um, but that's a number 10 by Terence Malick. This is his, his new film. Yeah. Um, just quickly to summarise. Well, it's quite hard, it's, as you say, because of that, to give a one-sided sort of summary of it. Um, but it is a really intelligent film. It's quite a strange film, even though it's, I mean, it's very sort of intellectual. It's incredibly thoughtful, but it's quite accessible. It's a, you know, it's a really, really beautiful film to watch. There is a great story in there, you know, a straightforward sort of story, a coming of age story almost of, uh, which is set in the fifties, which is the segment which has um, Brad Pitt as, as sort of one, you know, one of the stars of it. Um, which is this great kind of nature versus nurture kind of thread um, where Brad Pitt plays the father of this family um, with with three sons, I think it is, uh, one of which is, is really sort of, you know, struggling to grow up and does he follow his father's way? Does he follow his mother's way of sort of just looking at life? And that's kind of what the film's all about, um, along with these quite strange shots of kind of the universe almost creating itself. And then there's dinosaurs, and yeah, it has to be. And then there's Sean Penn looking really mournful in a in a kind of a, a skyscraper in 2011, and it kind of needs to be seen to be believed. But it's a really, really, really good, strong film. So you, you would recommend people oh, yeah, see it, definitely. okay? And out of ten, eight. Okay, uh, number nine. And excuse my pronunciation. Uh, isn't the point? No point. Because neither of us have seen it anyway. But Zingadina Millage Dabara. Yeah. Okay. How's that? That that will do. I'm not going. Sorry, I don't want to step on your toes. Uh, number eight, beginners. Yeah. If, if only we had a good cinema network and could tell you hey. what that was like. It uh, looks really good. It looks, apparently it's really good. Really? Yeah. Ewan McGregor, Christopher Plummer. Oh, Great yeah, class. that does look good. Melanie Is that from, yeah, 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 that does look good. Surely that's going to be out soon, um, somewhere around us. Uh, number seven, The Guard. And this yeah. is, you were telling me, is in Ireland at the moment. Well, this that's is why purely it's... in here because it's not released in, in England as such. It's it's just doing so well in Irish. It's an Irish uh uh, film. Uh, it's got Brendan Gleeson in it, um, and it's doing massive business over there. Um, and it's out here, I think, next month sometime. So. Yeah. Well, okay. this month sometime. Now we're the first of August. Yeah, uh, Kung Fu Panda Two. Yeah, which I liked. Yeah, which was surprised. Um, Transformers, Dark which was Side, bad. Dark Side of the Moon, Dark which... of the Moon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bridesmaids are full. Oh, Pink Floyd mashup there. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. 
killer robot set to Pink Floyd. More more interesting film. Slightly controversial, maybe. Number four, Bridesmaids. Great. Enjoyed that one. Uh, Number three, Horrible Bosses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, Cars 2. And of course, at number one, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. The Juggernaut. Okay, so that's it for another episode of Feature Length. We'll be back in a few weeks after we've been to the Empire Big Screen event at the O2. Looking forward to that. Um, the crucial thing, if you've enjoyed this pod, is to pass it on. Tweet it, Facebook it, text it, anything. Let's just grow this audience and interaction as well. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll speak again soon.